And as we talk about marriage, um, it's both good and bad, isn't it? Yes, amen? Anyone understand? It's not all one direction. It's not all one way. Yeah, and it's the magically moving board. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate that. Um, We are continuing our series called Happily Ever After. And as you've noticed, there's a question mark after Happily Ever After because sometimes we're not sure that the Happily Ever After is really as Happily Ever After as we had hoped. And last week, we began the series by talking about what often happens in marriage is, is we start together as one, this idea of marriage, but all of a sudden the one becomes two and start to grow apart, and many marriages end. And how do we get two to become one? And we talked about this idea of submission, mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And what does that look like to lay down our lives for each other and to really say, it's no longer my life and your life. There's a new thing that has emerged. It's our marriage, and that is where we find a whole new entity, which is, which is marriage. And when we surrender to that, God is, can do something pretty amazing and miraculous. Now, we maybe leave that, that, that message and we think, wow, that's just heavy. It's like we just got to lay down my life. I got to constantly submit. I mean, where's the joy in that? Where's the, where's the, like, the life? You know, we want that spark. We want that, 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 uh, that sense of romance and, and the love that we experienced maybe early on or in, in engagement or dating period. And so what I want to talk today, what I want to talk about today is staying in love. How do you stay in love? How do you not just fall in love? But how do you stay in love, and not just for your first year or second year of marriage, but 5, 10, 15, 40 years? How do we stay in love, and how can we have that be one of the trajectories of, of our marriage? Now, when we, when we think about love and when we, get, uh, when, we, when we meet that person, if you think back to falling in love, isn't it funny how for most of us, for many of us, it just sort of happens? You don't even have to try for it. You're not like trying to fall in love with somebody that you want to marry. It's like, you're just in love. It just seems to happen. It just comes naturally to the point. We don't even think about it. It's just there. And the more we spend time with them, the more we just the love grows and the passion. And we have chemistry. You know, we just, we just gel together. And it just seems so effortless. And so as time progresses, we think, this is somebody I want to marry. And then we, when, we, when we stand before God and before people on that, our wedding day, we say a promise. I promise to love you. It's a promise. It's a promise that that love will always be there, like we talked about last week, right? For rich or for poor, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health. I make a promise on the front end that I will love you going forward. And yet what we're basing it on is everything we've just felt. Like, this is going to be cake. Because it just feels, it's the easiest thing in the world to love this person. Now, a friend of mine who's a pastor uh, said there's a guy in his church who, when, you know, after weddings, ceremonies happen, you know, they got the the receiving line, and you kind of walk by and you congratulate the couple. Well, there's a man in his church who never congratulated the couple. And he thought, and, and my friend thought, well, that's kind of odd. It was kind of rude. Why doesn't he congratulate the couple? And so he asked him about it, and he said, why should I congratulate them? They haven't done anything yet. They haven't done anything yet. And he was like, well, that's kind of harsh, but you know. But he says, I'll come back in 25 years. And that's what he tells me. He said, I'll come back in 25 years, and then I'll congratulate you. And see, we congratulate, we think people have accomplished something because they said their wedding vows. Woo, good job. You've promised. I mean, it's great, and we do want to celebrate that. But what is, what, they haven't done anything yet. And I think I begin to agree with that because those of us who've been married for any length of time realize the true test comes on the other side. What happens to love? And why do one out of two couples seem to fall out of love and eventually end in divorce or couples just barely surviving? What happens? How does love just kind of fade and fall apart? I think one of the things we've gotten, the mistake here, is we understand that love is a feeling. Now, love is a feeling. You feel love. 
And we think that love is something that just comes to us and love just kind of happens. And once we get married, we wonder why does autopilot no longer work? Why is it just doesn't come so easy anymore? Why am I not just inclined to want to go out and buy flowers for my wife? That used to be so, anyone else with me on that at all? No, you're not going to admit it. Good, very good. You know, I mean, I just don't feel this urge to just go out because once I'm married, I start going, that's coming out of our budget, you know? I mean, <laughs> so I, you know, try to pick some flowers out of the backyard or something. Um, why does, you know, and that doesn't happen when we're, when we're engaged. Well, when the chemistry starts to fade, whatever that is, the chemistry, the danger begins to happen because all of a sudden we can start feeling chemistry with somebody else. Somebody at work, somebody we see throughout the day, there's a little spark in you. What, what was that? Was I feeling something? That was kind of strange. Or through online or Facebook, you reconnect with an old flame or somebody you had before, and all of a sudden they're listening to me, they're hearing me out, they're, they're so interested, they think I'm all that, and all of a sudden we think we must be out of love. Our marriage, something's wrong with our marriage because the love isn't there, and I'm starting to feel something in a different direction. And this happens all the time. How do we stay in love? And if we think that love is a feeling, that's what many people go off of. If I don't feel it, it must not be there. Well, that's a false assumption. Let's look at John 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Let's see what, what, what the Bible says. 1 John chapter 3. And I want you to kind of keep your, keep your finger there because we'll look at another passage in this. 1 John chapter 3. Uh, look at page 957 if you're using these Bibles. 957, 1 John chapter 3. And I want to look at verse 18 and part of 19 to start here. So if love is not a feeling, what is love? Or if love is more than a feeling, what is love? Here John in 1 John chapter 3 verse 18 is saying, Dear children, he's writing to the, the people of God. He's, he's, talking, he's just talked to them about what it means to be a follower of Christ and, and how to live and love one another. And he says this, let us stop just saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our what? Actions. Let's just stop saying we really love each other. Let's show it by our what? Our actions. It is by our actions that we know we are living in the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before the Lord actions they show it they prove it here's the thing i want you to hear today to have love we must do what love does and see this should be an encouragement to you to have love you must do what love does which means that if you don't have love there are things that you can do to recapture love to regain love because if you're waiting for the feeling good luck because marriage tends to have the power and the ability and life has the power to suck it out of any relationship. So to have love, you've got to do the things that generate love. And here's the thing, love is an action. Love isn't sitting passively by and waiting for love to come. Let's see it show up. Let's see what happens. Love is an action. We've got to put it into practice. And another way to, to say it is habits, patterns, the waves, our behaviors. And see what happens in marriage, we get into habits and patterns, don't we? Say yes, you do, right? <laughs> Here's the problem. We've developed poor habits. We've developed poor patterns. This is how you know in your marriage how things are going to play out, right? You've seen that movie before. You know what I'm talking about? I know that when she says X, I say Y, and the end result is Z. You know what I'm talking about when you get into an argument or you get into a fight? Or she know, you know that if I, if I go there and if I do this activity, it's just going to head down this road. This is where it ends up every time. And you begin to develop these patterns, and many of them aren't good. As I heard last week, somebody said, a rut is just a grave with both sides of, of the coffin kicked out. Okay? I mean, when we get into a rut, we're just stuck, and we're dying in it. And so many of our marriages don't know how to break free from some of these patterns, from some of these 
behaviors. And, and here's the sick part. We find a, a stability in it. It may not be working well. There may be addictions, problems, anger, stuff that we're dealing with. It may not be working well, but it's just how we function. And we make excuses for it. And some of this is called codependency. And, and we accept that and, and say, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it's going to be. And so we live on that in that way. Now, some of us wonder, did I marry the wrong person? Ever wonder that? Don't answer. Okay. Some questions are rhetorical. You wonder, did I marry the wrong person? Because things aren't going right. I thought it was going to work, but I must have married the wrong person because things aren't going well. Let me set your mind at ease here. You did. You married the wrong person. Okay, it doesn't really put you at ease. But what might put you at ease is to know we all did. We all married the wrong person because if the right person means they do everything right, they have no problems, they have no issues, none of us married the right perfect person. Sorry, I still love you, hon. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us is perfect. Scripture says all of us fall short. And so this isn't about saying it just works or it doesn't. It's about what do we do? We're not the right person. We have to become the right person. We have to strive to be the right person and go and get to that place. And here's the thing in marriage. Right? If we're not the right person, we all bring baggage into marriage. Every single one of us brings baggage, and that baggage can be bad habits, that can be just addictions, that can be challenges, that can be personality things that just rub each other the wrong way, or just the way I am, you say. We bring that into marriage. Now, I don't know if you've ever, you guys know from, from investing or stocks, they say past performance is no indicator of what? Future returns, right? So just because things went well in the past doesn't mean they're going to go well in the future, or they were bad doesn't mean they're going to be bad in the future. This is completely opposite in marriage. It's completely opposite in relationships. It's completely opposite in people. Past performance is one of the best indicators of future returns, of future results. And here's the thing in marriage, we always think like, oh, they're going to change. They're going to be different. Oh, when they love me, when they commit, and this is for all of you who are single or who are dating or who are engaged, you've got to look at this person's track record that you're marrying. If they've cheated on you during your engagement, but he loves me, and he promised he'll never do that again. If they lied to you, you got to look at that. If they're lazy before marriage, oh, I promise I will do, I will work hard, I will keep things clean. Yada, 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 yak, yak, yak. I mean, it, it, when we talk about finances, Dave Ramsey has this great saying, because some people say, if I only had more money, I'd be more generous. And what he says, and I love it, is he says, you look, having money doesn't make you more generous. Having money makes you more of what you already are. If you're cheap and you have more money, <laughs> I won't say what you are. You're a cheap something. Okay? And if you have some money, and if you're generous, if you don't have money and you're still generous and you're doing whatever you can, more money allows you to, to really just flourish in what God has already put in you. It makes you more of what you already are. And I believe that applies to marriage. Marriage is a magnifier of the things that are already in our life. And so when you minimize things on the front end of marriage, marriage magnifies it. Somebody in your marriage has an anger problem, one of the two, marriage is going to magnify it because all of a sudden there's this, this weird comfort we have in marriage, the rings on the finger, and we just tend to, to, to let our darkest, ugliest sides out to the people we love the most. This happens in families, and this happens in marriage. Do problems tend to get better just by themselves in life? Any problem, right? If you've got a drinking problem, if you've got a an addiction, if you've got a shopping problem, if you've got a messiness problem, you've got an anger problem, you've got whatever kind of problem you have, it just doesn't tend to get better the older we get. It actually tends to get worse. And marriage, again, multiplies that. And we think marriage is the solution. It's not. 
marriage makes things oftentimes worse. So where is the answer? Why do we just excuse things away? Because problems don't get better. Now, some of you might be going, this is great. I'm in church, and they're saying, hey, person was one way. They're going to be that way the rest of their life. Where's the hope in that? Can people change? Absolutely. Absolutely. People can change. But there's a big difference between promise and progress. It's a big difference between promise and progress. And how many people promise they're going to change? They promise they're going to do something else. If we believe that God can change and transform people and, and we can promise to say, I'm different now. But you cannot promise your way into new habits. That's a starting point. You know, if we're talking about love as an action, it's a starting point to promise to say you're going to do something different, but you have got to back that up. And here's the thing. If there's been trust broken in your marriage, if there's been a time where you, one, one or the other person has, has broken trust, maybe there was a, you know, infidelity, maybe they're just, again, dealing with addictions or just anger or just abuse or things that have just really broken the trust to the point where you're saying, I don't know if I can trust again. There's the one answer and there's one way to get trust back. And it's not promising that you'll never mess up again. And sometimes we hang our head on the promise. We think that's it. Well, that's obviously kind of foolish to do that. And those of us, if we're on our way back and we're trying to regain trust, we promise and we mean it with all our heart. But that does not equal trust yet. That's the starting point. There's only one way to get trust. It's consistent action over time. Consistent action over time. Have you ever tried to take a shortcut to that formula? You can't. Because the only way to show consistent action is to consistently make and change that behavior. And over time, you can't shortcut time. And so if you have consistent action over time, you're developing, what, a new habit, a new pattern. You're showing that the transformation and the promise that you promised to make and whatever God has done in your life or you said, I'm going to drop that habit or I will not treat you in this way or I'm going to go in a new direction, we're going to do some new things. The only way that's proven is by consistent action over time. And there are no shortcuts to that formula. So there's a profound difference between the promise saying, you know, when we look at somebody, I, I believe you can change. That's a promise, and it's important as a spouse that we believe they can change. That's hope, that's faith, that's belief, that's wanting the best for your marriage. That's important. But we also want to see progress, which is I believe you are changing. I believe you have changed. Now, in 12-step programs, uh, in, in, in some of those programs, you get, you get like a reward or a chip for different progress. Uh, points that you've made. You get like the one day chip, like a little little something that signifies some progress you've made. For one day, you've changed your habit, you've dropped that addiction. One day, that's a reward. That's progress. We celebrate that. Here's your one week chip. Here's, here's your one month, one year, 10 year. All of a sudden, it's starting to say, look, you are transforming. There's something new that's happening. You are becoming a different person. And so in marriage, we have to think through how are we changing the habits and what are the actions in our life that we want to change so that we can transform and bring love back into the marriage. We have to break some of the bad habits and patterns and we have to replace them with new ones. So what about what actions does love have? Remember, to have love, we must do what love does. To have love, we must do what love does and not just wait for it. Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is a, a, a passage that's read in, in uh, almost every wedding. It's pretty much every wedding that I've ever done. I read this or somebody reads this. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. And we actually have them up here on this little board. You may or may not be able to read that, but you've got it in your scripture here on page 888. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Here Paul is saying, look, if love is an action and love is doing and love is some habits, here is what love does. And when you do what love does, you will begin to create an atmosphere and an environment where love can flourish. 
So you need to be looking through your marriage and relationships and asking, is this love? Is this descriptive of the habits and patterns and the ways in our marriage? So let's look at some of these and try to go through them kind of quick here. But there's 15 or so different things that love does or does not do. Love is patient. I'll just stop right there. Why does Paul start there? (laughs) Do you ever think about that? That's not the first thing that comes to mind, love is patient, because I think in marriage and in relationships, we just lose patience. You know how many times I've dealt with this issue, the same thing keeps coming up, you keep screwing up, this keeps happening. He starts off patience. If you want love to last, if you want to endure through the test of time, you're going to have to develop some patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. Yeah, we just have to pause and think, is there kindness? How do you speak to one another in your marriage? Do you speak kindly or are you rude are you aggressive are you demanding are you matter of fact how do you treat your spouse in the way that you speak in the way you treat them love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude love is not jealous well you can take that a lot of different directions but maybe some spouses are jealous of their when their when their spouse outshines them when they do something great, when something happens in their life, when things are going well there, there's maybe a, a jealousy in some sort. Or maybe there's a jealousy about relationships that they have with other friends or people, and there's this jealous nature, and that is not in the nature of love. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful of my own actions, and, and sometimes we are proud. Sometimes we see couples, and, and it's just like the put-downs for each other. It just is gross. It's sick to see that. If you are one, where's the sick satisfaction of belittling your spouse in front of somebody else or even just in your own marriage? You're putting someone else down and you're, or you're saying, I'm, you know, you're boastful about what you do. I can do this and what do you do? But this happens in marriage and there's this, there's this changing of, of, of boasting or proud, being proud or jealous. It's not rude. Just because you're married, just because you have familiarity with the person you're with, doesn't give you excuse to be rude. Remember your please and your thank you. Just because it's your spouse's chore doesn't mean that you can't say thank you. It doesn't mean that you can't say please. Just because you're, that's just the way we function. Kindness, not being rude, being, being considerate of one another. Love is not irritable. Man, do we irritate each other sometimes in marriage. We know what buttons to push. And if this was rewritten, I'd say, don't push your spouse's button. Right? Because we know if we want to get under their skin, just bring up that topic. You know, there's a couple of things where Shannon says, you're, not, you're never supposed to bring that up again. But I just can't help myself sometimes because it's just, I know it just gets under her skin. And we do that as couples. And, and, and so it's not irritable. And I think we have to say, I'm not, not going to get irritated on some of these things. And here's one that, boy, I think if you need to highlight it, it's this one. It keeps no record of when it has been wronged. Husbands and wives, we are some of the best scorekeepers, aren't we? I mean, we keep this wonderful record. We can pull up stuff from years ago, and we may let it lie dormant, but boy, in the heat of battle, we've got this little arsenal. It's called the record of wrongs. It has nothing to do with the current situation, but we can pull it out whenever we need it and remember this, and remember you did this. It has no bearing, but we don't keep a record. And what that means is when you're wronged, you go past it. You deal with it, and it's in the past. You've dealt with it. It's in the past. Keeps no record of wrongs. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. I mean, are we seeking truth in our marriage? Are we seeking truth in our relationships instead of clouding it over or if things go, again, if there's this, this kind of one-upmanship, there's, there's something wrong or something, your spouse messes up, we, we kind of like the injustice because now we have the upper hand. They screwed up, 
I'm in the driver's seat. Oh, this is great. They're in the doghouse. I can ask whatever I want. I can demand whatever I want to buy. You know, if the husband's in the doghouse, wife is saying, I really would like some flowers this week. Okay, I'll get you some flowers. You know, this is delighting in injustice because now I've got the upper hand. Love doesn't delight in that. Love wants the truth. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love doesn't just throw in the towel at the slightest sign of trouble. It says, I hope, I believe, I trust, I'm going to endure, I'm going to endure, I'm going to endure. And every marriage that failed at some point says, I, I'm just not going to endure anymore. And love has failed at that point. But love said, love doesn't fail. How do we love like this? How do we do this? In marriage many times, oh, I'm sorry, Chris, you're going to have to cut out a song because I'm just getting going here. Um, in marriage, we often look at the scripture. And what I like to do is I like to come in and, and uh, replace the word love the name of the people being married. And I think you can, I think you guys can do this with yourself. And if you want a little checklist to see how you're doing, this isn't just about love out here. It's about actions. It's about your love, your life. Mark is patient and kind. Shannon is not jealous or boastful or proud. She's not rude. Mark does not demand his own way. Ooh, I should have switched that one around. <laughs> this is about marriage, not about leadership, okay? <laughs> Shannon is not irritable, and she keeps no record of wrongs. Mark keeps no record of wrongs. He's, glad when he's never glad about injustice, but rejoices in the truth. Shannon never gives up. She never loses faith. Mark is always hopeful, and they always endure, and that marriage endures in every circumstance. Put your name in there and ask yourself. Better yet, give it to your spouse and do a little you know, scale of 1 to 10. I mean, you might create a little you know, fight, but, or rate yourself. How are you doing in these areas? These are the habits of love. Let me give you a couple of other little practical things. This is plug-and-play stuff, stuff that you can take home and you can put into your arsenal right away this week, okay? Here's the thing. Let me, let me give you a couple. You've got to think young and fresh. You've got to break the routine because we just get into the, these routines as couples. Here's one. Kiss more. I'm not just talking about making out and slobbering, that kind of stuff, okay? I'm talking about kiss when you leave in the morning. You never know when your last goodbye could be, but kiss and say I love you. Kiss when you come home. Kiss your spouse first. Kiss before you, you say goodnight. The last thing. I mean, just to begin, if, if love is missing or is there, begin with the simplest act of showing affection and watch what happens out of even those things that, that become a part of your new habit. One long hug a day. Getting sentimental here, you know. One long hug. It's one of those, it's, you know, you may hug and come home or you say goodbye or whatever, but you know the ones where you're, you're one person's like ready to kind of let go, but the other person keeps holding on? That's what I'm talking about. One of those kind of hugs where you just say, no, this isn't just a hug. I love you. I just want to embrace you. And that, if that goes both ways, you begin to do the things that love does. How about a random contact? No, not just, you know, honey, bring home the milk, text that, but just a random, you know, I was thinking about today, I love you. An email. You know, some kind of random thing, a note on the car. Some of us like to leave a note and make Shannon think she got a ticket or something and just write her a little note um, on the car. Do one of your spouse's tasks. How come you guys aren't writing down some of you guys? Come on, you've got to remember this stuff. Do one of your spouse's tasks. I know in marriage we often have our own responsibilities, but just do it for them without being asked and just saying, I want extra because I want to delight in your load. I know you normally empty the dishwasher this time of the day, but I just went ahead and did it for you because I just, I love you. Do, these are simple things, but they've developed a new habit of doing the things that love does. How about a daily compliment? There's sometimes where I've counseled couples and I've just said, you've just got to start looking for the good because you cannot find any good in your spouse. You've got to look for the good and compliment it. Even if it's attached to a bad, leave the yeah but out. You know what I mean? 
the yeah, but. You know, he did this. Yeah, but, you know, what about this? Okay, you leave those out and verbalize that compliment. Express that compliment. Do the things that love does, the little things that create a spark, that create energy. Um, this morning, I, I, I was remembering something that just happened about two weeks ago. And, uh, and uh, Shannon, I was, I was on my computer, and I was going through my desktop, you know, the little folders, and how it gets kind of crazy sometimes. And I was trying to clean it up a little bit. And I saw this little folder. It said, from your wife. I was like, I've never seen that there before. Where did that come from? And I clicked on it, and it says, a note for you. Clicked on. I was kind of interested, you know, excited, and I saw that it, that it was dated. The note was dated January 25th. I was opening this up March 25th. <laughs> Not very observant, am I? Right? Okay. But but this was something that that, that Shannon Shannon said. I just want to, because I don't know what happens in your marriage, but I just want to give you an example of of something that is an example of why I believe we have the kind of marriage that we do have. And here's what she says: My love, isn't that nice? I'm not sure when you will notice this file on your desktop. It's kind of fun to see how long it will be. <laughs> but no matter how long it takes, there's never a bad time to tell you I love you. We've been through the ringer lately, haven't we? The thing about it is, no matter what is going on in life, we are still a great thing. I love how it's been almost 15 years since we met, and we just haven't ever gotten tired of each other. If, if you had asked me about that in the first half of my life, I would have guessed it to be the other way. I wouldn't have believed it possible for there to be another person on the earth that I wouldn't get tired of after a while. Good grief, there are times I get tired of myself. But we are amazing together. Sure, there are times when life is full with, our, with the girls or church or even just making dinner that I let those things crowd in and I don't see you for who you are. But when I do, I'm just stunned by you. That happened today. I was watching you do sit-ups. See, I think she threw that in there so that she knows. I mean, as a guy, you think I'm more motivated to do sit-ups when your wife does this? Yeah, smart, very smart. <laughs> I lost my spot here. Um, I was watching you do sit-ups and was completely taken by how incredibly attractive you are. And this is weird to say that. I just raw example of what a guy eats this stuff up. I'm telling you, as a husband, you eat this stuff up. But it wasn't just that. I was looking at the man that loves me to my core, who has promised to spend the rest of his life with me. I was watching a man with crushing responsibilities that carries them without complaint and at times makes it look effortless. But it isn't effortless and I'm honored to help carry the load. I'm in love with you, all of you. Anyway, all I wanted to say is I'm thinking about you. Thank you for everything you do to take care of me and the rest of your ladies. We love how you love us, Shannon. Isn't that awesome? I know it's not good as a speaker to always try to be the hero, and I'm not the hero. This is Shannon being the hero. But I just wanted to give you an example. This was not something she did. Oh, there's a marriage series coming up, and it'll take them three months to figure this out. This is a... This is a normal part, and this doesn't happen every day, but these are examples of when you interject something like that into your marriage, it keeps it fresh. It keeps it alive. It keeps the love going. And some of you may be saying, but my husband's not responding. You know, she's, or my, my wife is just, she's turned cold. She's not responding. It's great if it works in both directions. Take a note of this. We can't draw love out of someone by withholding it. This is something weird we do in marriages. I'm going to withhold love because I'm not getting it. And, and, and when they step up, I will. And this is, this is the way it works in the world sometimes. This is not the way it works as followers of Christ and what, that's what Scripture models us. We can't win love from our children or from our spouse or from someone by withholding it as a way of saying you, you have to earn it and deserve it. It is not the way staying in love works. You give it and you give it freely. We'll go back to this first uh, John passage, and I want to wrap up with this. 
We talk again about the importance of faith in marriage. If you don't have faith in your marriage, good luck. Because you're going to follow the patterns of the world. And the patterns of the world say when the chemistry is gone, when the love is gone, throw in the towel, find somebody else, start over, and go again. Now, God can redeem and God can give grace and new marriages, but it does not give up easily. And here's, here's how we learn to love. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. There's a direct connection between our ability to love and our understanding and relationship with God, for God is love. God showed, what did he do? God showed, this is an action, isn't it? He didn't tell. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. It is not that we have loved, that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Did you catch that? It's not that we love God and he goes, oh, they love me so much, I'm going to love. He sent his son even when we didn't love him. Even though we were full of sin, even though we were, we were undeserving, love does what love does and it begins to bring out the love from others. And, and, and God loved out of his nature. He poured out his love. He showed it. He came. He did it even though it wasn't reciprocated. And when we love, we take a huge risk by putting ourselves out there and saying, all right, I don't know if it's going to get reciprocated, but I'm going to do what love does because God is love and I know what God does in my life. And even at the risk of being wounded, I love, and that's the only environment in which love can flow back into your marriage. But if you withhold it and you wait for the other person, it's over. It doesn't happen that way. You've got to be willing to risk. And here's the thing that should encourage you. It means you have the power to bring love back in your marriage, and you don't have to wait on your spouse. It gives you the ability to say, I'm going to put these things into practice. I'm going to break the pattern in this marriage and start a new way of relating, and that's going to force my husband or my wife to have to re respond in some way, but it's not going to keep going the way it is. And it gives love a chance to flourish. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Our faith in Christ is central. We learn love from God, and that's what we bring in back into our marriages. To have love, we must do what love does. Love is an action. Love is developing new patterns. And we have the ability to stay in love and, and just to grow that love. Now, one last little gift as the band comes up here. I have a gift for you. You guys like gifts? We don't just want to talk about marriage. We want to show action. And I'm going to demand an action from you guys this week. But it's a good one. Okay? We believe that you, some of you need to shake up the pattern in your life. And we are providing you babysitting for a date night this Friday. Free babysitting for a date night this Friday. I know many of you have kids. And you don't want to spend the money on babysitting. You don't know who to give it to. But I've talked with our youth. We are going to pay them and our adult leaders to watch your kids for you this Friday night from 6 to 9.30, three and a half hours, you drop your kids off, you let them tear up one central with the youth, and you go out and have a dinner. At, don't go to Costco, okay? Don't go to Fry's. That's not permitted. We'll make you pay for your child care. But if you go out and you have a, you know, some time alone, go on a walk, don't have to spend a lot of money, do something this week. You have a free date night. Anyone, who's going to take us up on it? I want to see right now. Because if you're not raising your hands, come on. This Friday, all right. I know I'm, I am. We are, absolutely. So anyway, think about it. This Friday, that's our gift to you. And uh, let's do what love does, all right? Let's, uh, <laughs> let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. And I just pray that your love would flow into our marriages, that we would break the routine beginning today. And God, that we would be completely and fully surrendered to you. Father, in this time of response now, if, uh, 
if there are couples that just need to pray, I pray that you would move them together to go and to maybe pray at the, uh, at the altars that we have in the back. Or maybe as a couple to take communion together. Father, just an opportunity to surrender and submit ourselves to, to your love. And may the freshness of love flow into the marriages and in the families and in the lives of people here at our church today. We love you, Jesus. Amen.